glad that you are here. Hey, how many of you got an opportunity to go see the Lady Bears this weekend? Did you go? You should really go see these things. Uh, Lady Bears, congratulations on a decisive victory over Colorado. Well done. I was there. I enjoyed it. Um, also, I need to say that the men's basketball team represented us very well. Um, we didn't pull out a victory this week, but I got to tell you, week in and week out, our men's basketball team makes me very, very proud uh, to be a Baylor Bear. So really glad uh, that they're playing so hard. So anybody who's affiliated with the basketball program, when you see them, pat them on the back and say thanks for working hard and for representing Baylor University well. Hey, a couple students came up to me. A couple students came up to me last week and said, you know, do you remember what it's like to be a student? And, and I'm like, well, I'm not, I'm not that, that old. And they said, well, maybe does Bert remember what it's like to be a student? And I was like, well, he, he's, he's quite, quite old. But I think, I think he remembers. I hope he's not back there. I think he remembers. And, and so we went to a party. We went to a, oh, wow, there he is. So I, I want to thank the, the Pi Beta Phi's for letting us go to their party. Um, we really enjoyed ourselves at this party. Um, it was really fun. Bert actually looks really young at the party. And I look, I look real feminine, and I don't know what that's about. I mean, I think I'm a manly man. I, I watch the Super Bowl. I'm there. I, you know, I don't know. I, was, I don't know what it means that I was represented by a female. I'm cool with it. I'm cool with it. Hey, gender was made by humankind. I'm okay with it. So Bert and I, in, a, in an attempt to more understand what it's like to be a student, next week he's going to dress as Drew Humphrey for the rest of the week. And I'm going as Whitney Warren all week long. That's what we're doing. So I just want you to know, some of you are like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Fine. I want to introduce you to some of your class officers. If you were a freshman, and I know that there are a lot of non-freshmen in the room, but your freshman class officers are going to come and share a little bit of a word with us, as well as representative from the One Campaign. Hey, y'all, I want to tell you about a chance, that opportunity we all have to serve the Waco community. And in particular, we're talking about um, elementary school kids. And we have a project called Walking Together. Walking Together is a shoe drive that's going to be going on next week that will benefit J.H. Hines Elementary School. Uh, we visited the elementary school a few months ago, and it's really heartbreaking because these kids are so precious, and 92% of the kids there are live below the poverty line and this is right here in Waco so let's all come together and this week and then next week let's all buy shoes for these kids and give the entire elementary school um, new pairs of shoes and together we can impact some lives and we can change Waco we can change Baylor and even change the world so thank you I'm going to pass on to Brianna hey guys um, we've been working on walking together this event for a very long time we were very excited and the kids are so excited that they, that they get new pairs of shoes and um, we collected these shoes, and the, um, they colored them, and they are, most of the kids that go to J.H. Hines Elementary School are below the poverty line, and so we thought we could give back and give them a new pair of shoes. Hello. Um, basically, I just wanted to let y'all know that what we are doing now to collect is we will be outside in the lobby collecting your email address and providing you with an information sheet through your email with their name, their gender, their favorite color, and their shoe size. And we also will be in the subs starting February 15th through the 19th, taking the information and accepting the shoes. So please come out and help. Thank you. Fantastic. 
I always like it when there are practical ways for you to help. And so make sure to pick that up when you go outside. Alex Schmidt is here as well, and she represents an organization here on campus. I don't know if you're aware that the One Campaign is a global organization, but we have a chapter right here at Baylor, and we have had for several years, and we've been uh, good friends with the chapel crowd as well. So Alex has come to share with us a little bit about what your chapter of the One uh, Campaign is doing. Okay, hi guys. Um, I'm here to talk to you today about the One Campaign. We're a grassroots organization of over 2.4 million Americans who are dedicated to fighting extreme poverty and preventable diseases like AIDS, malaria, and TB. Tonight, we are partnering with Nuru International, which is a similar organization that was founded by a former Marine. And what happened was when he was working over in the rural developing world, he saw that the only way to end terrorism is to end extreme poverty. Because when people are impoverished, they're desperate because they can't feed their families and they can't even survive. So what happens is they turn to extremist groups, and that opens, up, that opens us up to a whole range of uh, national security hazards. So currently, Nuru is working in Kenya, and that's where Nuru comes from. It's a Kiswahili word meaning light. And they are working with effective organizations to focus on five key areas, focusing on community economic development, health care, education, water and sanitation, and agriculture. The goal is to help these organizations become financially sustainable and economically independent so they can provide for themselves eventually. If you want more information, you can go to nuruinternational.org, and Nuru is spelled N-U-R-U. And tonight, you don't even have to go to the website. You can come to Bennett Auditorium at 7 p.m., and um, three new representatives will be there showing some videos, giving a quick presentation, and um, just providing more information. Hope to see you there. Great. Thanks. You can, you can do that. That's fine. That's good. Good work. I want to say a prayer this morning, and I want us to join in a spirit of prayer, but I'm going to do so by reading Psalm 3, because Psalm 3 is actually written as a prayer. And so let's pray that together. Lord, how many adversaries I have. How many there are who rise up against me. How many there are who say of me, there is no help for him in his God. But you, O Lord, are a shield about me. You are my glory, the one who lifts up my head. I call aloud upon the Lord, and he answers me from his holy hill. I lie down and go to sleep. I wake again because the Lord sustains me. I do not fear the multitudes of people who set themselves against me all around. Rise up, O Lord. Set me free, O my God. Deliverance belongs to the Lord. Your blessing be upon your people. Amen. Some of you may be familiar with the Academy for Leader Development and Civic Engagement, and I get the great opportunity to teach in that academy each semester, and some of you are even in my course, and it's a really fun opportunity. And this semester, we've joined together forces from the academy and uh, spiritual life to partner for one speaker, and he is our chapel guest today. His name is Chaplain Richmond Stoglin. I want to tell you a little bit about him because I think this is really important that you know Chaplain Stoglin earned a Bachelor of Science degree from the University of Wisconsin River Falls, a Master of Divinity degree from Gammon Theological Seminary in Atlanta, Georgia. He received a Master of Public Administration degree from the University of Texas at Arlington, a Doctorate of Ministry degree from the United Theological Seminary in Dayton, Ohio. You can see that while being a man who pursues the things of God, he does not consider the life of the mind to be something separate, but rather integral to his own faith. Chaplain Stoglin served for almost 23 years in the U.S. Department of Justice, Federal Bureau of Prisons, Federal Medical Center. 
He served in the United States Navy Reserve Chaplain Corps since 1985 and has attained the rank of commander. His publications include Why I Am a Prison Chaplain, an official publication in Chaplains and Related Ministries of the United Methodist Church. We need each other, a sermon in the Pulpit Digest Journal, two books of poetry, one entitled Winds of Chimes and the other What Are Dreams, and his most recent book, I Was in Prison. As a commander, Chaplain Stoglin's awards include the Navy and Marine Corps Commendation Medal, Navy and Marine Corps Achievement Medal with Gold Star, Fleet Marine Forces Ribbon, Meritorious Unit Com Commendation, National Defense Service Medal, Global War on Terrorism Service Medal, and Armed Forces Reserve Medal. You can see that he doesn't consider the pursuit of God to be something that can be done lightly or with little will or perseverance. Even as I read through Chaplain Stoglin's biographical information, I, I have to confess to you that I realized right then that he was somebody from whom we need to hear this morning, somebody with a faith that is strong and firm. Just by way of note, he'll also be speaking tonight at 5.30 at Kaiser Auditorium. I hope you can make that. It's part of the Academy for Leader Development and Civic Engagement lecture series. And before we welcome... Chaplain Stoglin to the stage, I would like us to watch this brief uh, news clip and also a clip of some things that he's been involved in in his ministry that are extremely interesting to us and I think something that you're going to want to see. So take a look at that quickly and then welcome Chaplain Stoglin after that. And if you're like most folks, you've probably seen one of those extreme home makeover programs on TV. Yeah, they're so popular. And while no one from that particular hit show is in eastern North Carolina this week, dozens of volunteers are remodeling a house in Jacksonville. Yeah, it's called Operation Thunder. And as Not On Your Side's Philip Jones reports, Marines and sailors from Camp Lejeune are getting together on their own to fight for someone who's fighting cancer. On March 9th, things changed forever for Tom Hentz and his family. And I blacked out on the sidewalk. I woke up in the hospital later that day, and they found a two-centimeter-sized tumor. The retired Marine Staff Sergeant has stage 3 brain cancer. Since that diagnosis nine months ago, he's had a hard time remembering things. But the work dozens of Marines, sailors, and other volunteers are doing to his home in Jacksonville this week is something he'll never forget. I've told my family and I've told everyone that Marines take care of their own. The Marine Corps Navy family is very, very tight. So bright and early Tuesday morning, members of that family started tackling chores around the house Tom is no longer able to do. On top of that, these volunteers will be giving the house a makeover, inside and out. Something that takes the stress off a family that's already dealing with so much. This just means so much because now the house will be, everything's going to be fixed. The house will be in order and we can not have to worry about that. And he can concentrate just on getting better. From new drywall and doors to new plumbing and kitchen appliances, their home will have a whole new look come Wednesday. And it's more than they ever could have dreamed of. We got everything except Ty Pennington, and that's okay. We don't want him anyway. That's because, home makeover or not, they're just thankful to have each other this holiday season. In Jacksonville, Philip Jones, Eyewitness News 9, on your side. And Staff Sergeant has undergone more than three dozen radiation and chemotherapy treatments. Surgeons operated on his brain, but they could only remove part of the tumor. However, his family is still hopeful that he'll make a full recovery. Plenty of prayers going out to them tonight. Yep.
Marines from Marine Corps Base Camp Lejeune have created their own version of ABC's Extreme Makeover Home Edition. A tradition during the holiday season is to give. A tradition for the Marines since 1775 has been to take care of their own. Staff Sergeant Tom Hentz retired from the United States Marine Corps five years ago and shortly after was diagnosed with stage 3 astrocytoma. With time, Tom went through 33 treatments of chemotherapy. Now, eight months later, Tom is still suffering from seizures, severe headaches, and body tremors. Due to his illness, Tom has been unable to perform maintenance on his home. With the help of over 100 volunteers, both civilian and active and former Marines and sailors, we plan to accomplish various tasks. Volunteers are flooring a shed, fixing kitchen cabinets, painting shelves, fixing plumbing, as well as making sure this family could lock their home at night. This is Operation Thunder. your brick back you had to go to the dump yeah <laughs> and you can lock it now look you can yeah come on Tom oh. on this. this is nice wow oh this is beautiful this looks great oh you want to see too that's just going to have <laughs> I think the closet's fixed. It's been 
finished and it's fixed and the doors. Awesome. That's fantastic. And you power wash the house? Yes. We knew this had to stay here. Awesome. Obviously, so we sprayed this off so we can see it now. This was one of the most important things to me out of the whole house. <laughs> this shows how little the kids were when we when we moved in. Oh, this is beautiful. Oh my gosh, you cleaned the spa. <laughs> that thing was like so incredibly nasty because wow. Now we can Until you turn on the lights, <laughs> oh. No way. Oh, that's oh, awesome. I mean, I just can't thank anybody enough to coming down to helping us. Um, you know, we feel very humbled and very, um, I, I, I don't know, I can't even put it into words. Give honor to God and salutations to the Reverend Dr. Burt Burleson, University Chaplain, the Reverend Ryan Richardson, Associate Chaplain, Director of Worship, Faculty, and Students of this Chapel Service. Good morning. With that stated, will you stand? Give me an M. Got to do better. Give me an M. Oh. B, E, what does that spell? Let's move for God. I'm going to ask you to remain standing as we read the uh, word today out of the epistle of Hebrews 12, 1 through 10. Hebrews 12, 1 through 10. You see words similar to these. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with the perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning in its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood, and you have forgotten the word of encouragement and that addresses you as sons. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline, and do not lose heart when he, when he rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes everyone he accepts as a son or daughter. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as sons and daughters. For what son or daughter is not disciplined by his or her father? If you are not disciplined and everything undergoes discipline, then you are illegitimate children and not true sons. Moreover, we have all human fathers who discipline us and have respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of our spirit? And Leah, our father disciplines us for a little while, 
as they thought best. But God disciplines us for good that we may share in his holiness. The word of God for the people of God, thanks be to God. You may be seated. I'd like to talk with you this morning about this is my road. Will you say that with me? This is my road. Once again, this is my road. David McCullough, a well-known American historian, reminds us in his latest writing, 1776, there is no such thing as a self-made man or self-made woman if one were to read history. We're all tied together through the holy commonality of God's divine hands. Christianity, through its moral guide, the Bible, imprints us with that truth. And where is God in this process? There are holy places and spaces within the context of this place, of this chapel, of this campus. Question, have you found them? And if so, how have they impacted you? Rumor has it, God never sleeps. The Reverend John Wesley came to see that when he prayed, studied the scriptures, performed good works, and preached the gospel. However, at one point in his life, did he feel all of his efforts seemed to be for nothing when faced with the possibility of being shipwrecked on the voyage to Georgia. He found his trust in God lacking in contrast to the Moravians who showed no fear amidst the storms. Though the Moravians, through the Moravians, did Wesley discover the storms of life help us discover what lies at the core of our lives. Such thinking is similar to one of the inmates who told me when I was a chaplain with the Department of Justice Federal Bureau of Prisons, chaplain, I cuss when I'm mad and pray when I'm afraid. It has been suggested that the church is irrelevant in the 21st century because there are too many storms for the church to handle. While others would have you believe to throw away your Bibles because they offer no future. Today as students, and in a few short years, you will trade caps and gowns for taking your place in the world. In the interim of now and then, you must decide if you're willing to put on the coat of history by declaring, as for me in my house, we will serve the Lord. Further, you will have to decide to pursue the mantle of standing up for justice and hope, even at the risk of ridicule or failure. Scripture writes to do justice is to know God. Are you ready for that? The Genesis story outlines the story of the divine creation environmentally today. It has a plan. But today, a significant number of people suffer from polluted air, undrinkable water, environmentally unsafe communities, and horrific educational systems. Some of those are not just in third world countries. In fact, some of those communities are in close proximity of this beautiful campus. Issues challenging the 21st century church are not small. They are giants out there. However, remember this. Yes, it is true, we are somebody. We are God's people, and he wants us to act like it. Now, to be certain, in the 21st century, there are numerous distractions. They tend to range from electronic to sports to opposite sex to cars to clothes to text messaging, text messaging, Text messaging, I'm stuck. Text messaging, how do you handle those situations? 
Ladies and gentlemen, time and choices will tell. One of the things each of us needs to come to understand is that the gospel is an active demonstration of God's love for his people in the context of today's occurrences. God is not only some historical old guy with a beard sitting up in heaven, he is contemporary. In other words, we have to decide if we want to be a noun or a verb. A verb is an action thing. He is an activist God in the lives of his people. Often people ask me, chaplain, where is God? How does he look? My response when was, when was the last time you looked in the mirror? To look in the mirror is to capture the glimpse and the glory of God. You are made in his image. You are a glimpse of glory. And if you do not accept your glory, you will become joyless. And to become joyless means that you could lead to destruction. And to, be, to lead to destruction means that you are death. And the life that you could have had, could have made, the lives you could have changed, the souls you could have touched, you will never know because you did not accept your glimpse of glory. Say amen, somebody. Simon Parker put it this way as he quotes Isaiah 42, 1 through 4. Here is my servant whom I am uphold, my chosen in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow faint or be crushed until he has established justice in the earth as the coastlands wait for his teaching. Expressed another way. One well-known martyr of the Christian church said some years ago, the first service that one owes to others in the fellowship consists in listening to them. Just as love for this community of believers is learning to listen to them, many people are looking for an ear that will listen. They do not find it among Christians or certain Christians because these Christians are talking or texting messages so much when they should be listening but the one who can no longer listen to his brother or sister will soon be no longer listening to God either. They will, eat, they will be doing nothing but prattling in the presence of God too. To not listen to each other is to tell God, do not talk to me. Our God is a being who never gives up on us, however. The question is, do we, have we given up on him. I search in vain in history to find a similar to Jesus or anything which can approach the gospel. Neither history nor humanity nor the ages nor nature offers me anything with which I'm able to compare or explain it, said Napoleon. God writes the gospel not in the Bible alone, but on the trees and flowers and clouds and stars, says Martin Luther. I walk these streets rather than sit back, sit at the back of the bus. So my children and their children, actually she said children, will be respected. Oh yes, my feet are tired, but my soul is rested. And she did not ride a bus for over a year and help change Montgomery, Alabama, where people of color could sit from the back of the bus to the front of the bus. She changed lives. Though she had bad grammar and limited school, couldn't go to Baylor, but she understood the message. We owe much to her and many like her and others like her today. Each of these examples outline the Ten Commandments, 
are not to be viewed as the ten suggestions. As you are sandwiched between the divine and access to this educational journey you are currently pursuing, the question must be asked, what is my purpose? Why am I here? And whose time am I on anyway? An African proverb says, when you pray, move your feet. Years ago, when I was growing up in the Estella Maxi projects here in Waco, Texas, did some tough declare to others in certain sections of that housing area to not come on our road unless you are ready to pay the appropriate price. Sometimes it meant giving up what little money you had, what small amounts of food you carried, or it may have meant if the person was not willing to surrender his meager funds, food, or pride, that meant a fight. Blood would definitely be spilled in some of those fights. Yet, the more you fought back, after a while, the less others opposed you. Now, today I'm not advocating to physically fight anyone, but there will come a time when you must choose what road, what street you are going to stake out and claim as the territory you are going to stand on. The territory representing the kingdom of God, whether it is helping to build houses for the homeless, running clinics for the poor, leading Bible studies, or you may be compelled to challenge your present existence. There will come a day, not so far in the distant future, when people will say, let's go this way. You must choose if going that way is good enough to travel. Nobody can convince you otherwise. It is now your choice to do. We need road builders and competent health care for the inner city and rural areas. Where will you stand in the movement of making a difference in the lives of people on behalf of God? We need competent teachers who are willing to push students out of their closed-ended comfort zones to soar to unknown and unthought of before heights. We need ministers who are not so egocentric that they will not forget their call and the purpose for which they were directed in the first place and not operate as lone rangers. We need Christians who are activists, thereby dismissing the lame term so many others use as an excuse to do nothing. I'm, I'm not doing that because like, you know, like, you know, like, like, that's so, that's so boring. Let's face it, that's so over until it needs a crutch to stand on. Are y'all with me, church? Are y'all with me? Christian doesn't mean that's so over. That means we are in. We need somebody brave enough, strong enough, mentally determined, prayed up, and fit enough to face the opposing situations of life and not be easily detoured because doing good is not always popular. Do not think that because you do good, people are going to always pat you on no back. They not. Nor is it always appreciated, but good we must do anyway. To be certain, there will be disappointments. But will you go on the road of change in spite of the uncertainties? Today, you are 18, 19, and 20. Tomorrow, you will be 25, 30, and 35. What will you do? We have, we have some streets previously marked. Moses, Joshua, Ruth, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Paul, Peter, Priscilla, 
witnesses at the Roman arena, people who hid slaves in an underground railroad, doctors and nurses who gave up wealth and other human comforts in order to serve those in jungles, malaria-infested countries, war zones, inner-city drug-infested gang-controlled streets. Others are practicing their faith in rural areas where frog leaping is a big-time thing. We have Christians who ask those on Wall Street and other streets, what of the poor? What of the homeless? What of the sick? And what of the lost? Where is your moral responsibility to those less fortunate? We need recruits today to be willing to learn much, listen a lot, and ask the right questions. And so when the time comes to stake out the road of spiritual transformation, they will know what to do and whom to give thanks. Some of you might very well be able to bench press 500 pounds, God bless you, to do that quickly establishes an impression on others. Man, he can lift 500 pounds. I'm going with James. I'm going with Ray. Man, they can lift 500 pounds. I'm going with them. He can lift 500 pounds. But can you lift spirits when they are down? Some of you are capable of running like the wind, but can you walk with people who have lost their way and need someone to prevent them from going further adrift? Some of you pride yourselves on your ability to figure out complicated mathematical equations. I wish I knew you when I was in school in a quick fashion. But can you teach people who haven't learned how to spell problem or assist those whose problems are so impacted that they are now self-inflicted with self-oppression? We need people able to pray and move their feet of faith into places that may range from the plushest to the most God-forsaken roads on the planet. Rudyard Kipling, in the midst of his grieving to the at the loss of his own son, Jack, whose body was never recovered from war, answered this way, if you keep your head when all about you are losing theirs and blaming it on you, if you can trust yourself when all men doubt you, but make allowance for their doubting too, if you can wait and not be tired by waiting, or being lied about, don't deal in lies, or being hated, don't give way to hating. If you can bear to hear the truth you've spoken, twisted by knaves to make a trap for fools, or watch the things you gave your life to broken and stoop to build them up with worn out tools. If you can talk with crowds and keep your virtue, or walk with kings, nor lose the common touch. This is one of the primary reasons we gathered in this chapel today to discuss choices. Hopefully you have heard the importance of the gospel. But at the end of the day, the choice, my young brothers and sisters, is yours. Need I further remind you of the DVD you watched? Those young people are your age, most of them. And by the way, Tom died the following August. He had one Christmas one new year, one birthday of his three children. He died, and I helped put him in the ground before I came back to Texas. People can make a difference. These young people are your age, and I'm not recruiting to replace them. But I am recruiting ideas better yet, people. I am looking to be in the company of those who practice the gospel of Jesus Christ. Being in this setting is a great beginning. How the story concludes, you hold the hope in your very hands. As we review the core of the story this morning, do we view the book of Hebrews with a clear and significant call to a verb, people of inspired action on behalf of the kingdom of God. 
Hebrews also remind us the message of Christ was, is, and will remain at the busy intersection of all of our lives. He proclaims to all who believe, do not be afraid of the unknown. Do not be afraid of the giants. He walks with us daily. As we face a new year, we must come to relish in the belief that God is not dead. He is both alive and eternal. He is an awesome creator. Look at us. Turn to somebody and say, I'm, I'm great, I'm awesome. Turn right to somebody and say, I'm great and I'm, and I'm awesome. Moreover, we must come to understand. I know they find it hard to believe. Moreover, we must understand the gospel must be, gotta be, will be carried out by worthy witnesses no matter what. If you do not choose to do good, you can move out. Somebody's going to move in. We will find them. We will seek them. We will pursue them. We will walk with them. We will pray for them. They will be here. God does not want statues of lip service. Indeed, he expects his verbs of faith makers to move on the road with purpose and tenacity. The Hall of Faith is always looking for others to join them. In Toronto, Canada, in Toronto, Canada, there is a community of believers who are primarily confined to wheelchairs and walkers. Some of them are labeled by mental health providers as profoundly retarded. But they live in a community called Lioche, French for the Ark. Today, many of the community's believers connect the story of Noah's Ark to their residents. Many of them believe just as Noah's Ark carried others in, their, in his day across the treacherous waters. Many of them believe that they will be able to carry through God's help across their own in the year 2010. It is because of this unique community's willingness to serve as glowing witnesses for God in spite of their physical and mental limitations, even when it's darkest, God's love for them and others will shine brightest. Let us serve as witnesses, even when it appears the darkest and uncertainty cast its nets. We are challenged to live as Christian witnesses in the 21st century, no matter what. Jesus says to all who are willing to travel, this is my road, who's ready to go. The word of God. For the people of God, word, will you stand? Reach across somebody. If you don't stand by yourself, reach across and get someone's hand. Someone touch somebody. Do not let them stand alone. Do not let them stand alone. Do not let them stand alone. Yeah, you go. I like the group hug. There you go. Before I, before I pronounce the benediction, there were young people your age, young men and women, who were doing this, and some of them did it, and they never saw each other again because they were killed. They were student nonviolent coordinating committee civil rights workers. They were your age. They faced dogs. They faced water hoses. There was, there were tough enough and strong enough to rip off barks off trees and break windows, and stood they did. They were your age. They made a difference. Today, one of those persons is John Lewis. He carries a plate in his head because he was almost beat to death with a nightclub. He's now with his nightstick. He is now the senior senator from the state of Georgia. His name is John Lewis. People make a difference if you have faith in God. Repeat after me. We are. We are. Come on, people. We are. We are. 
God's people. We can do anything we wish to do. Hoping, respecting, having faith in God, in others, and in me. Word.